You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey there, and thanks for joining me for this episode. You are going to love this one. I have a very special guest. We are talking about how to set your home up so that your child can be autonomous and learn to do things by themselves and be able to play with other children inside their own home in a way that just really supports them developmentally and socially and all of those things. I've invited Jean Mahi Paynell, who is a parenting mentor, a Montessori home consultant, and the host of the Art of Parenting podcast, which I'm guessing maybe you've listened to. Jean Mahi guides expectant parents, caregivers, and parents of young children to help them provide a supportive and peaceful home atmosphere that allows children to flourish as an independent, confident, and capable learner. I think you're going to love what she's got to say about setting your house up for your child's development. So here we go. Enjoy this conversation with John Mahi. Thank you so much, Jean-Marie, for joining me on the podcast today. I can't wait to talk to you about setting up your home so that children can learn and grow and develop in big ways. Well, thank you for having me. So, yes, yeah, setting up the home is something, you know, very important, especially with, you know, my background in Montessori. We talk a lot about the prepared environment. So basically, it is really this concept that we are living in a very adult centric environment before we have children, right? We've made our homes just for us to meet our needs as an adult. And then we welcome a little one who has very, very different needs. And as you know, they're going to be changing every, you know, every week, every month, every year, especially those, you know, first six years for me. So the idea is that we are creating a space first where the newborn, so the, the infant, is going to have some points of reference. So this is a way to really give them a sense of security, of knowing what is happening in each space. So we first talk about the four main areas, and that is sleeping, feeding, movement, and the self-care or care of the child right at the beginning. And so those are going to look a little different and they're going to evolve over time. And so one of the things, and you know, you talk a lot about you, you asked me about how to create an environment where the child is able to be autonomous, able to be independent and so forth. And so one of the first ones is that sleeping area which can look very different than what we tend to think of as a traditional nursery setting, where when you look at these, you know, gorgeous nurseries, they are beautiful for the adult, but they're not always developmentally appropriate for the infant. One of which is that sleeping area. And in Montessori, we actually use a floor bed meaning that we have a very low frame close to the ground with a mattress on the ground with no barriers around. So now there's a whole trend of, you know, Montessori beds. And I see, you know, some floor beds, but that are totally gated, all of this. So 
that's a conversation for another time. But the idea there is that from the very beginning, we are trusting that the child is going to learn what is the space that they relax and they sleep in. And the also the concept of the floor bed that I really love is that you can lie down with them. You don't have to try to get into a crib, right? You can just lie down. So, you know, I do a lot of home consultations. I've gone into homes. We've done a floor bed for an infant that's a queen size bed or twin size mattress, right? You can lay down, do a night feeding and so forth. And so the idea there is that's going to evolve with the child. The child is going to learn that this is the space that they stay on, that they go to when they're tired, that they can crawl off when they're done. They're not dependent on us to, you know, detect what their sleep cues are. So that is the first concept. Then the feeding area that's going to evolve where at first it's more adult, you know, it's more centered around the caregiver, whether you are breastfeeding or bottle feeding, make it a nice comfy area where you can relax without any distractions, really connect to the child. This is a real important time to connect and give that information to the child that they are the most important person on planet Earth. So we want that to be relaxing for the caregiver as well. That will evolve where then we can use either what we call a weaning table, which is a very low table where the child is going to be sitting at the table when they start solid food. So when they're able to sit on their own, or I really like, you know, high chairs that come to our table. I'm not a fan of high chairs where they're kind of isolated with a little platter and kind of on their own island. I know the importance of eating together. And I think it's my European background where mealtime is an important time of our day and of our connection and so forth. I do that. I encourage that from the very beginning. And so that will evolve. And then we talked about the movement area. So that's going to evolve at first. It's just a low, you know, mat on the floor, a thin futon, preferably if you can, like up against a wall where you can put a mirror on the wall. So from the floor up, the child isn't recognizing themselves, but it encourages them to move. They're intrigued. It helps them see the environment. And when they start sitting on their own, the movement development happens on its own. We let it be. We trust the process that all humans are going to go through all these different milestones. We don't prop them up or put them in contraptions that they can't get themselves in and they can't get themselves out like these fancy exercisers we see and all of that. We try to avoid that so that it's really about this natural movement development. And the mirror is one that is going to encourage. And then we can put a little, what we call a coordination bar at arm's reach for them. Because when they start sitting on their own, well, what do they do? They start reaching for things. So if they reach for that bar, then they stand up on two feet. And oh my goodness, it is such a beautiful sight to see that child is like, oh, Oh my gosh, I'm standing on two legs like everybody else. Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful to see. So those are ways that we can really help the child develop naturally, independently, and so forth, right? And then the last one was the physical care area. And again, that area is going to be 
you know, centered around the caregiver at the beginning. Like, I really want you to have everything at arm's reach. I want this to be a comfortable place for you. So whether, you know, you're sitting on the ground and you, you've got a low table or the child is on the floor or you'd rather be standing, like, think about what's going to be comfortable for you. Because again, this is a time when we give very important information to our child. We are talking to them. We are asking permission. We are talking about body autonomy, about consent and so forth. And the one thing that to me is important that I see in the way that things are set up is that oftentimes changing tables are maybe up against a wall. And so we are tending to our children sideways. So here is just this idea of maybe just changing your orientation or the table so that you are forward facing, so that you are looking straight into their eyes, so that you are tending to their body with equal pressure on both sides. And we know that, you know, it gives cricks in their necks and so forth. Like when you talk to physical therapists and everything, they also recommend forward facing. Exactly. So, you know, as much as you can do that. And then again, that area is going to evolve as they develop where they're going to want to choose their clothes. There's going to be toilet independence and so forth. And so we change that area to really follow their lead and follow their development. So that's in a nutshell, kind of how we can conceive of that environment. I always like to think of it as we are welcoming a very special guest into our home, right? When you prepare your home, you've got a friend or a family member that is coming that hasn't visited for a long time. Maybe they're older and they're going to have a walker or something like you're going to change the environment a little bit, right? You're going to put a bouquet of flowers. You're going to do something. So it's the same thing. It's just this guest is going to be staying around for a long time, right? <laughs> and they have very special needs that you have to change as they evolve. And that's really the beauty of it. What I love about what you've just described is that it really does take the pressure off of having to buy so many different things. and. I think many parents who are listening probably think, yeah, we never really did use that, whatever, <laughs> you know. And then, how many families I have worked with that bought this gorgeous crib and they never used it? Even if you think you might need it, like, wait, yeah, sure, maybe you'll want one later on, but yeah, save your So I just want to up. clarify or ask this question. So, are you suggesting that the bed on the floor for even for newborns? Yes. From day one. Yeah. That makes sense, so, you know? Yeah. So the way that I like to think about it is that, you know, maybe at the beginning, they will be maybe in a little bassinet or in a Moses basket because it just, you know, if it's a first child, it definitely is helpful to, you know, have them close to you and mm -hmm. so forth. You might even do some bed sharing and co-sleeping at the beginning. But still have that floor bed set up so that they know and so that you are maybe putting them down even in the Moses basket, but on the mattress for all of their sleep time, you know, maybe during the day. And this is what I was talking about is that point of reference is they're going to look around and they're going to understand that every time they are in this place, this is where they relax and they sleep. And this is free of any distractions, like no need for any mobiles or 
things like that. Like this is really about quiet. <laughs> We're not, you know, distracted with anything. And but this yeah, is a can, bed without can, blankets or anything. It's just a exactly, sheet. exactly Nothing on there except uh, yeah. What they I, I like to use maybe a sleep sack if it's cold or warm pajama. And it's fascinating because, you know, the newborn and also there's one thing in Montessori that we use. And I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called a tomponcino. It's mm-hmm. actually a little security pillow, basically. And it helps us carry the baby, especially maybe not necessarily for mom and dad, but maybe for relatives, friends who are going to come over. You're handing over a little package that stays in their warmth and in their smell. So it's very mm-hmm. securing for them. So when they fall asleep, you can also set them down on that tomponcino on the floor bed, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, they have that point of reference of their own smell and their own warmth. That's really cool. uh, Yeah. Start from the very beginning for sure. Unless you've been to a Montessori home or a Montessori program and seen these day beds, you think it doesn't even feel like what would be normal for a baby because we just automatically think of cribs. And so, yeah, it is a really interesting and different idea. But one of the things I really wanted to talk with you about is once this child is a little bit older and let's say they're two and a half, three years old and other children begin entering into the home, how can we make these spaces a place? And I guess that this would primarily be the movement area and the feeding area and the care area, because children do their self-care <laughs> together. How could we make it to where it would support social development in a way that would be good for the children to have friends so, over and so, have, share your space? Right. So I think that always starts with us modeling it, right? Yeah, with modeling, yeah. inviting our own friends, welcoming our own friends, inviting them to our dining room table, sharing food with them, and so forth. So having that, what we call grace and courtesy, modeling to our children from day one, right? I'm a big proponent of taking my children wherever, of continuing, you know, having my friends over and so forth, even though I have a newborn. So we're modeling that from the very beginning. And when we are wanting to invite our friends who have children, maybe the same age, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, I think it's always a good idea. And this is true for anything that is going to happen in the day is to talk about it, to forewarn our children, to let them know, because we have to remember that children, and you know this, but they are so sensitive to their sense of order especially those first three years, six years, some are more sensitive to others. So there is this daily routine that they are expecting that gives them the sense of security. So it's true that when we invite somebody, well, that kind of changes that order, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute, there's somebody in my space, right? So that's why to me, it's really important to talk about it and saying, You know, remember Joey that we met the other day? He's going to come over and he's going to want to touch your toys. And it's going to be fun or not fun. Like I wouldn't label it because who knows, it might be pure torture for them. So it's like, (laughs) it's just like, you know, it's (laughs) we can't expect, but we are inviting them to come into our home, to see our home and play with our things. 
And that's it, right? We're just, again, giving them warning. Who knows how the child is going to react? They might yeah. not really appreciate that. That's not their choice. They didn't ask for it. So it's really about, you know, sitting with them and letting them go through their emotions. And I know for some older children who might be a little bit more precise about their favorite toys and things like that, and you know that there's something that, eh, probably not a good idea to leave it up, you can ask them, would it be okay if so-and-so plays with your fire truck? And if they're no, it's like, well, maybe we should just put it away for a little bit so mm-hmm. that your friend doesn't see it, right? That's so, a great idea, yeah. It's about preparing the environment, right? Yeah, That's and it also gives them a sense of control too. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe is there something that you are okay with them playing? Maybe it's something they haven't been interested in a long time. Well, let's go get that so that we can set it up for them and see, right? So that it's okay. And then we are going to get into this whole conversation of you have to share. Well, you don't have to share. Like, I do not believe in forcing anyone to share, right? Mm -hmm. It is very personal. There are some children who are like, sure, take it all. Don't worry. And some who are a little bit more possessive and aren't ready to go of something. So I think it's really important for us to observe, Mm -hmm. to not judge the situation and to never force a child to share. Yeah, because even the word share, it's a pretty abstract word, you know, and it only comes up when it's time to share. And then we don't even quite know what it is. And it will come naturally, right? It's Mm -hmm. part of developmental stages. It will come naturally where they will say, here, would you like this or that, right? So for me, it's really about preparing the environment. So make sure that maybe, you know, if you don't want to clean up a huge mess, well, maybe minimize what you leave out, you know, maybe close the door to that room that you don't Mm -hmm. want the children to go into, right? Yeah, yeah. Here, prepare yourself, prepare the environment, prepare your child. Right. And then sit and observe, you know, visit with your friends and let them visit with each other. Yeah. You know, I'm reading a really interesting book. It's called The Art of Gathering. It's by Priya Parker, and she's talking about adult gatherings, but I think about everything in terms of children, right? And so I've been thinking about the art of gathering for children, right? And one of the things that she suggests, and I'm not terribly far into the book yet, I'm sure that there's lots more to come, but one of the things she suggests is setting an intention for your time together and communicating that intention. And I was thinking about it in terms of this visit, you know, another family comes to your home to visit, even setting an intention that you say out loud to your guests and also to your own family, to your own child about when they come over, this is what we're going to do. We are going to, you know, whatever it is, we're going to make pizza and we're going to see what kind of pizzas everybody makes and then we're going to enjoy it together or whatever it is. Anyways, I just think that that Kind of goes in line with what you're saying. And that makes total sense. And it's what I was talking about, you know, preparing ourselves and really the environment. Because I mean, for me, especially for young children, like preparing an environment for them to be 
self-sufficient and independent is really important in our homes, right? It's going to really help them have that autonomy. And, you know, it's a universal need for us to be independent. So if we can set it up for them to be independent, and I know sometimes I feel like the word independence to some parents, for some reason, kind of triggers them in thinking that they're abandoning their children. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, help your child feel self-sufficient, help your child feel autonomous and confident and so forth. So that's what I mean about preparing the environment for independence. And then, yes, the intention is, you know, I've invited a friend of mine who has a child your age. And my intention is that you hopefully get along and can play together. And if they don't, that's fine. They might at some ages, they're like parallel playing. They're not playing together. They're just doing their own thing. And that's fine. There's no judgment to have. And the other thing that I will say about like play dates, keep them simple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like children are so content with just very minimal, you know, you do not need to set up a craft activity and this and this and that. It's just like maybe, you know, the first time just a meet and greet, like get to know each other. Mm -hmm. Don't feel that you have to go over and beyond. And I say this because like I see, you know, birthday parties for for little ones. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, I never had that energy. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe I'm an awful mother, but I never did anything like that. I had birthday celebrations, but it was very, yeah, it was just a celebration. You know, no need to have a theme or get goodie bags for everybody and all right. this. Like, it's just funny. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think in terms of intention, also, this can be an intention between you and the other parent, you know, exactly where you say, I really would like to watch our children play together so that I can learn about your child and learn about my child and learn what it is that they know about talking to another person and engaging in pretending or whatever it is. But yeah. I think it's a way for parents to connect in a really important way when we bring our children together to have this common bond of our children, but also to connect on other ways as well. Right. And also when you say about having other children in your space, I know there are families who need each other's support, right? Mm -hmm. So it might not be that the other parent is staying. It might be that the other parent needs a break (laughs) and that they are going to be gone for two hours because they need to go to the gym or go see the doctor or whatever. And I think it's really important to be able to do that for each other and know that when your child goes into the other environment, possibly like if it's a trade, you know, Mm -hmm to also prepare your child to be in a different environment. And so having these kind of where we invite people in our homes and we go into other people's home is such a valuable life lesson where we are learning about different ways. There's going to be different foods. There's going to be different smells. There's going to be different toys, maybe different languages, right? It's fascinating. Yeah, and it provides an opportunity for a child to be flexible. In their thinking exactly, and to adapt to different 
ways of doing things, different yeah. ways of cutting the sandwich or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that we can get pretty regimented in those kinds of things that really make it hard for kids yes. to manage outside yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. So one last question about this whole mm-hmm. having people over or mm-hmm. going into somebody else's home. Let's say that the parents are in the room, the children are playing, the children begin to have a little bit of a conflict, maybe over whatever. What do you think is the role of the parents in that situation? How can they best support their children through that? So I would love to, when you were saying about setting the intention from the very beginning, we say, let us learn to simply observe that we will only intervene if our children are, you know, if there's a safety issue. Right. I really believe that adults seem to want to intervene into everything that children are doing, good or bad, right? Just the notion of, oh, good job, or, you know, always having to comment. It's like, you don't have to. You can just simply observe and see what you see without judgment, without comparison, without any, you know, preconceived ideas of what they should be doing or not doing. And so here is you really observing. And I promise you that if you have that intention in your heart and in your mind, you will see wonders where children figure it out. They really do. If we give them time to figure it out on their own. So Sure, there might be a little scuffle. There might be a little pulling and tugging and, you know, no, I want this. No, I want. There's going to be one that is going to be able to win because that's just life, right? And how is the other one going to react? Are they just going to go, okay, whatever, and, and go choose something else? Or maybe they might come to us and be sad and all this. And you can say, yes, you're upset. So and so took what you were playing with. And There, it's your choice whether to go back and try to negotiate. I really like the whole idea of what it is, sports casting that Janet Lansbury talks a lot about is really being there to kind of let them know what you see that is going on. It's like, oh, I see that Joey's really want to play with the same toy you want to play with. You can let him know that he can when you're done or you can let him have it, right? But I don't feel that you have to step in there and go, you have to share, you know, you're the host, so you need to share. Right. No, sorry. It's like, we can't impose that. I feel like a lot of that is very nonverbal with children. You know, when they get into a conflict with another child, the first thing they're going to do is look at you and you can read whether or not you need to help or you can need to sit back and you can even kind of nod your child forward. You got this, you know. Right. And be available, but right. not the problem solver. Every exactly. Time. Exactly. Because if we're always stepping in for them, and this is true, siblings too, right? I often say that, you know, siblings, we need to help them figure it out together because we're not always going to be around, right? right? And we want them to have a relationship that will withstand time and that they can figure things out together. 
especially when we're no longer here, right? So very important to put the children in the same boat, right? We're never wanting to take sides. We're never wanting to say, oh, but you're the oldest or you're the host or you should know better. No, they're both in the same boat is, oh, I see that you're both wanting to play with the same toy. What do you think we should do about it, right? Children are are fabulous at finding solutions if we give them the opportunity, if we ask them for the solutions, they will come up with great things, right? And the child might go get something else or, you know, whatever, or say, you know, let's take turns or let's play together. So it's really up to them to figure things out. I really believe that if we ask children to find a solution, really ask them, like, what do you think we should do about it, right? I see that you're both wanting to play with this toy. What can we do? They will have fabulous, very creative solutions, sometimes things that we never thought of. But it's really important to help them find the solutions as opposed to us stepping in and and doing things for them. And they're not learning anything if we're always stepping in. Yeah. Also like to comment that we need to not override their solution. If it feels unfair to us, you just look at both children. Is this good? And if they both look good, then trust it, you know. Yes. And so um, true. Some, yeah. <laughs> it oftentimes doesn't feel good to us because it's not. It's so, so true. And I experienced this in the classroom. I was in a classroom of mixed ages. So two and a half to about five and a half. And we would do these little classroom meetings to come up with solutions of, you know, maybe issues that had come up on the playground or so. And I sometimes was flabbergasted at the <laughs> solutions that the they solution. had. Really? <laughs> they were all okay with it. You know, right. if all 20 children are fine, it's like, okay, you know. And it's interesting. So in your home, it's the same way. It's like giving them the opportunity to come up with what they feel is fair and right. makes sense to them. It can always be a conversation later, you know. Exactly. Here's another idea about that. I wonder maybe next time we might think about that, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so this has been so great. I think it will really help parents to think through how to help their children play with other children because we all want our kids to have friends, to be a friend, to be a kind and loving and giving friend to others and to enjoy playing. As we wrap it up, I do want to mention that we've got a gift for you, for the listeners, the Montessori Nursery Guide on yes. setting up these spaces for your tiny new baby. And that's a really beautiful piece for parents. I know that they're going to love that. So that'll be in the show notes. But as we wrap it up, do you have any last words of encouragement for parents around this idea of learning to play? Well, for one, you know, learning to play, they play. That is their work, right? I don't think they need us to guide them, but they need us to give them time and space to do so. So I guess my word of encouragement is to keep things simple, mm -hmm. to not overcomplicate anything, whether it is your home, whether it is your nursery, whether it is those play dates. Please take the pressure off of yourself to want to do things 
in a perfect way or, you know, Pinterest worthy or Instagram worthy, like, please tune in. What is your intention and keep things simple, make things joyful for yourself. I'm all about parenting with as much ease and joy as humanly possible. Thank you so much. This is so great. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. If you love today's episode, take a minute and subscribe to our podcast. And one last thing, I'd love to pray for you and your baby if you'd like for me to. You can email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com. Your request can be as simple as just one word, or it can include an explanation. Either way, you can trust that I will pray for you. It's a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and your family and support you in your parenting journey.